Life Audio. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Last Tuesday, David and I discussed how the Great Commission begins in the home, and we looked really practically at how we as parents can introduce our children to Jesus and disciple them naturally each day. If you missed that episode, I'll share a link in the show notes, or you can just scroll back a week to find it easily on your favorite podcast platform. Today, we're going to follow up on something that I mentioned in passing last week and that many have seized on, and that's the idea of a rubric of sorts for spiritual growth in our children, or a few new biblical benchmarks that we can look at to see how our children are growing. I hope you'll be as excited as I was when I discovered these. You'll find that a lot of our podcasts build on one another, like this one builds on last week's. So if you haven't subscribed to the Homeschooling Family Podcast, won't you do that now? We have some amazing episodes coming up, and we don't want you to miss any of them. Subscribe on your favorite platform, and then leave us a review if you would. That allows us to reach even more families as it gives the platforms a better idea of how families are impacted by the information we share. Before we dive into our conversation about this rubric, we wanted to tell you about an incredible ministry that comes alongside family with boys and has been incredibly impactful in the lives of boys and men alike. Trail Life is where boys and men thrive. With more than 45,000 members in nearly 1,000 troops across all 50 states, homeschool moms and dads are discovering the power of outdoor adventure and badge-based education to encourage and engage boys, nurture their faith, and awaken a love for learning. Unshackled from the classroom, boys and dads come to life in an environment where faith and understanding grow naturally. Men love the intentional discipleship time carved out with their sons as they plan, work, serve, learn, and experience adventure together. Relationships grow. Faith becomes real. Leadership is developed and boys grow to become biblically bold, courageous, servant leaders of faith and character. You can learn more about Trail Life at traillifeusa.com forward slash TTD. Again, that's traillifeusa.com forward slash TTD. I'll also link a couple of podcasts that I've done with men from Trail Life because their insight on raising and training boys has been incredibly helpful. I've learned a lot each time I've chatted with them, and I'm sure you'll find their episodes to be informative and helpful for you as well. So check the show notes for those links too. David, we talk an awful lot about discipleship. And last week, we talked about the Great Commission and how that begins at home. And and I hope that we were able to break that down in such a way that was really, really palatable. But you and I were talking earlier about the fact that, you know, we all have this this goal of discipling our children, but sometimes with any big goal that's long-term like this, we wonder how we're doing along the way. Well, it's, so when you when you set a goal and when you set a goal, the most successful goals actually have several different layers to them. And we've talked about this, I don't know how many times, but it's because I think it's really powerful because when people think about goals, they think about a number that they're trying to hit. Like it, like I used to have sales goals when I was in sales. You have budgets, you have all of the, and, and they're not layered. They're here is your number. Here is your mark. Here is what you're trying. Here's your finish line that you're trying to get to. And that's fine. 
And I'm not saying that those are horrible, but what I am saying is, is that the bigger the goal, the more you're going to have to layer it. And the first step of a big goal is what you call like the big why. It is this big, huge, audacious goal that you want to reach for. And the real power of the big why is that it gets you excited. It is big. It is something that really gets you excited about. It becomes like a life mission and and it really grabs a hold of you. These are not small things, but the advantage and what is really great about a big why is also kind of its disadvantage. And that is that it is so big that it's easy to lose connection with it. A lot of times the goal, this big why is going to be long term. It's going to be something that is going to take you a long time to achieve. And so when we're talking years. Yeah. And so let's take parenting. You have the big wide goal of bringing your children to Jesus Christ, of discipling your kids, making the gospel a big deal in your home. Well, how do you know you've achieved that? How do you know how you're doing on that big wide goal that, you know, is going to take 18 years? And truthfully, you're never, you're never really done. And so how do you know how you're doing and is going to change? You know, your measurement for how you're doing with that goal, that life mission, your, your, how you measure that is going to change as you kind of go through it. So for instance, when your kids are elementary school, you're going to have one set of, this is, I know I'm doing well because of this. When your kids are in middle school, you're going to say, okay, I know I'm doing well because of X. When your kids are in high school, you're going to think, I know I'm doing well because of this. And even when, you know, you launch them into the world. And they get to be parent. Your kids, you know, are are going off to college, and they become parents. And you're now grandparents. And I mean, you, the way that you gauge how you're doing on this is going to change as your kids get older. And so it's important to have this layered approach to these kind of goals. And that's why you go from big Y to ben- to your benchmarks to what you can control because you can't control everything to what are your everyday goals? What kind of habits are you going to put into place? And so when we were talking this last time in the last podcast, you mentioned this rubric that you have. And that's kind of how we ended up circling back around to this in this podcast, because it's like this rubric is amazing benchmarks for how you're doing on the big why of bringing your children to Jesus Christ. How do you know how you're doing in Rubric is a very, it's very much an educator's term. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and that's honestly why I called it that. I actually, so I was well into our parenting career when I kind of saw this and I wrote about it in the Teach Them Diligently book. But as I was studying to write that book, I came to, I I started paying attention to how the Apostle Paul was addressing Timothy, who was his son in his faith. And they have this amazing relationship that I, I kind of work out in the book. But Paul, over and over, he refers to Timothy as his son, though he wasn't his biological son. He had, Timothy had an unsaved Roman father. He had godly mother and grandmother, but an unsaved Roman father. And so Paul steps in, he mentors, he, he does a lot, um, to help disciple Timothy coming along alongside of Eunice and Lois, his mother and grandmother. And 
so we we start to see these things. And so you go through First Timothy and there's so much to gain there. But then as he is going into Second Timothy, you kind of get the idea that Paul is nearing the end of his life and he wants to make sure that the things that he has passed on to Timothy are sticking, that that Timothy is not going to have his faith shaken because of the fact that Paul is in prison and Paul is suffering so much because Timothy was leading the church there where he was. He was a pastor. He was he was doing all this great stuff. And so as I started reading through Second Timothy and seeing things through this new light, I'm like, oh, my word, this is like a rubric that we can overlay in our own families where you can see how your children are growing. And the way that the book is actually set up, it goes from more simple things, kind of like what you were talking about, those elementary type wins, those those things that you can see in a younger child all the way up through one of great maturity and one who is ready to launch out and have their own families and serve God on their own. And so that is that is really how this came about. And as God pointed this out to me, I it was like I had revival in my chair as I was overwhelmed with gratitude for what, with this rubric, I could see how God had been working in our children's lives all of these years. And I just really wanted at that point to pass it on so that, you know, somebody would be able to start seeing this stuff when they're younger and their kids are younger because we are fed a lie that parenting is basically this high stakes game of chance. And it absolutely is not. And that is that is why we want to be very diligent in our efforts. We want to be very methodical. We want to be very intentional in what we're doing because God in his word, First Peter tells us he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And that means our entire parenting manual is found right there, along with a whole lot of scripture that tells us what to be looking for in our children to see how they're growing so that we're no longer just leaving this to chance, but we're actually looking for specific things. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of these kind of sections of verse that you can look to that, I mean, as you're saying, they can kind of serve as these benchmarks as this is how I am doing. I mean, one of them you and I were talking earlier is found in Ephesians 5, where he actually says, this is the verse, this is how the impact of the gospel is going to be evident in you. This is the outward appearance of what it's going to look like. And he goes through that in Ephesians 5, and it's before you get into the famous verses. But that is, that's another one. And so we have this one here in Second Timothy. Timothy 2 and 3. And the what I think is interesting about what you're talking about is, is that Paul was writing this to help Timothy with confidence because most likely Timothy was going to be shaken by what potentially was getting ready to happen to Paul. And Paul wanted Timothy not to have reason to doubt. He wanted him to have confidence in his faith and who God is and what is going on. And so you've taken that and actually use that as a rubric. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and it's really cool. You know, when you when you step back and you look at, again, Paul's relationship with Timothy, Paul tells Timothy in the first letter, first Timothy that he writes to him, he says that the goal of our instruction or that finish line, what Paul is really wanting to see in Timothy, this goal, he says, is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's what Paul wanted to to build into Timothy. That's what he wanted to see long term. And as I read that every 
single time I'm like, what a parental mission statement. That should be our goal for our children. Love, love of God, love of people from a pure heart. Because we told our kids all the time, what's inside of you, who you love is going to overflow. And we'll see that in your actions. And you can see people's hearts so clearly in the choices that they make. So love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere, deeply grounded, rooted faith. That's what we're all going for. And then in Second Timothy, we see Paul lay out throughout that book, just different little benchmarks that he he's telling Timothy, I see this in you. Don't be shaken. I can see that you're growing, you're changing. And these are these are great things to share with your kids, too, because it's going to strengthen their faith and their confidence in their walk with God as well. So I wanted to share those with you today and, you know, we'll kind of break these down a little bit for you as time allows. And they're all listed in the Teach Them Diligently book where I just kind of discuss all things parenting or a whole lot of things, biblical parenting. And that we'll link that in the show notes if you want to pick up. Starting on page 109. Oh, this. Yeah, this chapter that we're kind of talking about is going to start in the middle. It's towards the end, actually. But the first thing that we see in 2 Timothy 1.13, we see Paul talking to Timothy that they'll hold fast to the teaching that they've been given. He he tells Timothy, hold fast to the teaching that you've been given. And, and this is one of those first things that we start to see as they're getting older, as they are coming to where they're making more decisions of their own, they're actually clinging or holding fast to those things that they've been taught. You know, what a joy it must have been for Paul to see Timothy actually actually holding that teaching. The the world was as, I mean, a lot of people say it was a lot more wicked and debased overtly than it is now. That first century Rome was an ugly, ugly culture, that Roman culture. But, but regardless, it was, he was in the world and he was holding fast to the teaching that he had been given. As a parent, that should challenge me to make sure that I'm giving them that teaching. As I am looking for them to hold fast to it, what am I feeding them? What am I giving them? So first of all, as a parent, make sure you're giving them solid teaching to hold on to. And then as you're discussing, as you're just having these conversations day in and day out, are you seeing that this teaching is becoming their own or is it still just you throwing stuff at it and it's not sticking? Hold that thought. We will be right back after a short break. I mean, that's, you know, you you had the different stages of knowledge, right? Acquisition. I mean, and one of them is being able to teach others. The other one is, so it's, you know, you have this knowledge acquisition and then you have synthesis and then they start teaching others. And so are they actually progressing down that road? And part of this is, are they making this knowledge their own? Are they actually not just memorization, but are they able to actually talk about this stuff? and describe to you what this is and are they able to teach others right so yeah and and yeah you you noted are they ex- actually able to talk about it do they see the practical implications of this knowledge you know are they holding fast and making it their own so that's the first thing that we want to be looking for and again it should drive us parents to make sure that we are giving them what they need to have that faith to hold on to the next thing that that i saw as i was reading through second timothy 2 talks to to Timothy about standing strong. And the cool thing about this, this is the exact same exhortation that if you go 
way, way, way back in history, you see King David passing on to King Solomon, uh, where he tells him to be strong and show yourself a man. You know, this, these fathers should be preparing their, their men, preparing their boys, preparing their girls. All of these two stand strong in the faith. They are going to be tempted. In fact, it's, it's grievous. Our kids today are confronted with stuff much earlier than we were. We've talked about this quite a bit. The, the challenges that kids today face in elementary and middle school, you know, we weren't really confronted with the same things until high school or later. A lot of times it is your kids are such high value targets and Satan is going after them day in and day out. Are they standing strong? Do they have the 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 foundation to kind of dig their heels in and not give in to sin for one thing, but also not to buy into all of these lies that the world is selling, uh, whether it be through social media and, you know, a, a lot of the yuck that comes in through that door, peer pressure, conversations, even at church, we cannot take for granted that the conversations at church among our children's friends is God honoring. There's there's so much yuck. Do we see that our children are able to stand strong? And sometimes, especially with a younger one, well, no, that's not true, especially with all of our kids. One of the ways that you're going to find that is through them coming and talking to you. So you want to make sure the way that this really impacts you is, are you keeping that door of conversation open? Are you asking questions to keep conversation rolling? Do they, is their first thought when they are confronted with something to run to you, to bring it to you, to discuss what they did or what they were confronted with, with you so that you can help them figure out how to assess and, and, step forward in the situation. And so when you you were talking about standing strong and there's an element of that where it's almost like rebuking that behavior on the other side, the things that are not God honoring, they actually rebuke that. But there's also another element of that where they just walk away from it. Yeah. Where it's like Joseph, they just leave, they just get out of there and they do not become associated with it at all. And in some cases, that's just as much of a rebuke as actually standing up and actually saying, you can't do this. Or actually, you know, just just defending somebody or something or whatever. It's just as powerful in a lot of cases to just walk away. Yeah. And they need to understand that that's OK as well. Matter of fact, that's pref- that that is preferable in some situations. Matter of fact, a lot of situations to just walk away when it starts becoming gossip. Right. We move yourself from the situation. Walk away. Well, and it's incumbent upon us as parents to give our kids the toolkit to know what to do in these situations. We can't expect them to stand strong if we haven't told them how. So, so, but when we are able to, to have those conversations, to see that they are doing that, then just like Paul did with Timothy, we're able to encourage their hearts with, you know, this is a sign of God working in your life. I am so thankful that God would not allow you to, to keep yourself in that situation, that the Holy Spirit pricked your conscience and your heart about that so that you felt the need to remove yourself from that situation. You're able to reinforce what God is doing. And again, we are deepening that there their view of God. We are deepening. This is a personal Savior, personal God who works in you even as a child. And we are seeing that and you can celebrate how you're seeing the growth in them, which again is just reinforcing what we want to see in them. 
So the the third thing after, you know, seeing that they stand strong in the middle of Second Timothy 2 in verse 15, we see that he talks to Timothy about endeavoring to please God, making decisions that show that they are out to please God. Now, the one thing that I learned when I was studying this, which is super, super cool, or it was to me, is this verse is often translated approved. It was used then a lot in the money system. So at that point, they didn't have dollar bills or, or whatever. That They had gold coins or, or metal coins. And the dishonest people would shave away so close that they would adjust the weight somewhat. And they were trying to pass it off, put into circulation as full weight, things that were not full weight. They were not as they were supposed to be. But this word, uh, dokamos, which I'm sorry, again, if my Greek is really, really bad, it means approved. It was, it was what was put into circulation by people who had scruples, who were, who were honest. It was full weight. It was as it was supposed to be. This is the only place in the New Testament where that word is used. And I think it is so awesome that it is used in a place where we as parents can see how, what we should look at, look for in our children. We want them to be approved. We want them to be holy, serving God, wholly endeavoring to be what God has called them to be. And we want to see them making decisions that are moving them in that direction. I mean, there is a an element of that where that is much harder, right? That is the hard way to go. There's no shortcuts. There, There is, it, it's just much harder to be able to actually show yourself to be approved. And this becomes a really big deal to you. You're not willing to shortchange yeah. this scenario. You want to be, you want to complete this. Yeah, absolutely. And with all three of these first ones, holding fast to the teaching they've been given, standing strong, endeavoring to please God. As we as parents are looking for signs of these things in our children's lives, like we've noted, first of all, our hearts will be encouraged because we'll be able to see see what God is doing or we can we can hold on to that. It should drive us, secondly, to make sure that we are giving them everything that they need to be approved, to be making these choices, to be standing strong, to have that foundation for their faith. But then we are also able to encourage their hearts uh, that they are growing and changing. And that's going to go a long way towards combating the doubts that so many young people have about their salvation, about their faith and so on, because we are reinforcing by calling out what we're seeing in their life and their growth day in and day out. So they are seeing God at work. It's a lot harder to doubt somebody that you can see at work in your life. So those are the first three. The fourth one is we're going to start seeing them make choices that show that they want to be used by God. That's in Second Timothy 3, 20 through 26. And he lists all of these things that you abstain from or you take part in. And, you know, as I was reading that, I was I was thinking about this. Really, we're kind of getting into those middle ages where our kids, middle school, high school, they have a lot more opportunities to make choices that will either move them forward in pleasing God or is going to really prohibit them from being useful in some other ways. This is where the rubber starts meeting the road in a lot of ways. Are we seeing our children making choices, how they spend their time, what kind of habits they're building? Are they in God's word? What kind of friends are they bringing around them? What kind of things are they dabbling in? What kind of entertainment are they gravitating towards? All of these things, it starts getting really, really practical as we see them, that they 
are making choices that are moving them forward in their relationship with God. Now, when I say that, none of us, none of us have children who are perfect because none of us are perfect. So none of these things should be looked at as you're getting 100% across the board because that's not how growth works. We may take two steps forward, three steps back multiple times. <laughs> you know, we're, we're making progress, but it may be slow going and it there may be some really discouraging times. So we're looking for trends here. We're not looking for perfection. And that's something that I think is really, really important for us to remember. So so don't get hung up on they can never make a mistake or I have failed as a parent. That's not what this is about. No, there is no perfectionism. It's just not realistic. So, yeah. And then so moving on, as as we're watching for what choices that they make, we wa- we're watching for the growth that we're seeing, this foundation really taking root. The next thing that we see in Second Timothy three is that they continue in what they've learned and seen in us. And again, we're getting older. We're getting deeper into our parenting careers now. They are starting to to direct their own path. They're becoming more independent. Are they continuing in what they've learned? And, you know, that verse, Second Second Timothy 3, I think it's 15, continue in what you've learned and seen in me. What have we modeled for our kids? Are they continuing in that? Again, parents, if we are not modeling what we want to reproduce, you know, we say that all the time, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. This is when you're really gonna start to see what you've reproduced in your children. Are they continuing in what they've learned, what we've taught them, but also what we've shown them? Well, and not only that, but your weaknesses are most likely not, maybe not all of your weaknesses, but your weaknesses will show up in your children. And if you've taken the time, you're in God's word, you're with God, you're praying about them, you are working on these weaknesses that you have, you could actually help them through those weaknesses. And that is a really powerful thing, right? And and so a lot of times when you think about, okay, my kids reproduce who I am, there's an element of that where it's like, oh boy, you know, oh boy, I don't know. I do not want to see this in that. I don't yeah. know if I want to reproduce. And the truth is, is that that's where it comes in, that you need to be working on yourself. Right. Right. You allowing God to, to. That's right. You need to be allowing God to work on you because you can see the signs of this weakness cropping up in them and you can help them and walk them through this. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to note here as they're continuing in what they've learned, discipleship doesn't end at 18. Discipleship doesn't end when your homeschooling ends. Discipleship moves on. I I recently uh, was on a podcast with the mom to mom ladies um, whom I adore. They're going to be joining us in Pigeon Forge, all of them. But we were talking about parenting adults and we were talking about how intense it is. But the fact of the matter is that's when we are there to continue to guide and counsel. And it's a different relationship because they are not necessarily, you know, a lot of times they're not even living under our roof anymore. They're, they're shooting out on their own. But all of that foundation that you've laid, the relationship that you've built and invested in through the years will position you to be there to continue to to counsel and continue to disciple and continue to mentor and guide your young adults, your your big adults. I still talk to my mom about things and she still has an influence on my dad on my life because parenting never ends. So we want to see them continuing in what they've learned as they are starting to make these life altering decisions and, you know, really how they plug in and, and everything else uh, as adults. Yeah, that's right. It's 
So, I mean, your, your kids are going to model you and it is just a fact of life and it is to your benefit to actually prepare for that. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing that we see that's really, really cool because this is the really just shows the generational impact of what we're doing. In Second Timothy 4, Paul talks to Timothy about now going out and teaching others, discipling others, shepherding others. We are launching them and we should start to see them, our children, teaching people diligently, teaching their children diligently, investing in other lives, reaching back and discipling those who are coming up behind them. And that is like the epitome of where we're going. As you look at your children, as they are getting older, and you're not going to be for a lot of you, you're not deep into this yet. You're you're still at those earlier stages. By the time that I actually kind of saw this laid out in this thread running through Second Timothy, my oldest son was already 17. He he was given opportunities. My other kids were given opportunities. And now we're, what, six years down the road from that when I first wrote this. And we've got 23, 21, almost 20, 16. I'm starting to see God do work and open doors for our children to invest in others, to to teach. None of them have children yet, but to teach others, to invest in others, to shepherd. And it's really, really exciting to see. And again, now that we have adult children, we're able to look back and we're able to see they are holding fast to the teaching that they've been given. They're not perfect, but I have not had any conversations with any of our kids that make me question whether they are holding fast to that teaching. They stand strong. They've been confronted with things and they have been able to stand. They endeavor to please God. We see them making choices day in and day out that is positioning them to be used by God rather than moving them out of usability for the Lord. They are continuing in what they've learned. And now by God's grace, we're starting to see them teach others coming up behind them and disciple and shepherd. And it is a really, really amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the big deal in all of this is what is a big deal to you and what is your priority? What is it that you are holding fast to and what is it that you are striving for? Like, what is it that you're willing to give everything else up for? And we were always very adamant and very strong and wanting our kids to love the Lord and to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord at an early age and then actually be used. And I remember purposely putting our kids into very uncomfortable situations, pushing them out to counsel and to do all this kind of stuff. Some of them were like, I don't know if I, and we would just, and we literally would push them so that they would be in a scenario where they would be used by the Lord where maybe they would have the opportunity to actually not only share the gospel, but lead somebody else to the Lord. And these are really big deals to us. And I think that looking back on this history with our kids, that made a huge difference with them. It wasn't as much of having the perfect recipe and having the perfect formula all lined up just right. It was, what is the number one priority? And that seems to ripple through everything else is how you approach things, what you're doing. If you have the number one priority of bringing your children to Jesus Christ and the gospel being a big deal to you, you're actually just naturally going to start 
to look for ways that you that you can tell how well you are doing in that goal. You know, if it is a big deal for your kids to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and for them to be in church and for them to love the Lord and to be used by the Lord, you're going to be looking not only for opportunities for them to be used by the Lord, but you're going to be looking for little signs and little things in them that is going to tell you how, what their heart, what's going on in their heart. This is, this is just a natural process. Right. And so it's, the things that we're talking about, it's not like I always make the, the illustration of cooking, right? It, how I'm always following the recipe perfectly. There's not necessarily a recipe here. It is, you know, what is a big deal to you? You know, and if, if this is a big deal to you, then it ripples into everything that you do. But you could also go the other direction. You could tell what is a big deal to you by how it ripples out into everything else that you do. And in some cases, that's really convicting. In other cases, that is really comforting to know that. You can tell what's a big deal by the results of what is happening around them. Yeah, how you're spending your time, what you're what you're feeding them spiritually and emotionally. You know, what what do what, you think about? Yeah. Yeah. What what your priorities are are going to drive the foundation that you're giving them. And all of these things that we talked about today build on one another and they are all built on really the relationships that you have because the stronger the relationships that you have with your children, the more deeply you know them, the more engaged you are in their lives, the stronger and the bigger the platform that you have to tell them and to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Yeah, the more open they are. Exactly. Because they'll talk to you about what's going on. Be very careful when children start to kind of clam up and stop talking. Be concerned about that. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to always be looking for these things. And as you're looking for these things, God has a tendency to shine a light on the ones who are not growing in these ways. And I found that throughout throughout our children's lives. I told him over and over again, God loves you too much to not let me know when there's something amiss in your life. And over and over, I would find out things that I should have never discovered that they were trying to hide from me because God was answering those prayers that I would have insight into their hearts and that he would allow us to shepherd their hearts and to know them deeply and to direct them back to Jesus in all of these things. It, it just from my perspective as father, when, when for you, you would have these feelings and you wouldn't even really necessarily know exactly what it was or what it, it was just like this uncomfortable kind of agitation that would be directed towards one of the kids. And Usually there was something behind that and it would take maybe a, a few hours or a few days or maybe even a week to discover exactly what that was. But I, I, there is many times that the Lord would kind of make you uncomfortable. It was like you had the sixth sense that the Lord would tell you what was going on, but you wouldn't exactly know exactly what it was. And I say that only because I would imagine that there's a lot of parents out there that have the same sense that there is something not quite right. And what I would encourage them about is don't dismiss that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that is the Lord answering prayers. That is the Lord giving discernment, giving direction, 
helping you parent well, which is, again, while we loop back to this is not a high stakes game of chance. God has a plan for your children. God has a way for you to parent them. God has a goal for your family. And it is that you teach your children diligently, that you bring them to him and that you you maintain a relationship and a platform where you're able to teach them things that will strengthen their faith and will give them a solid foundation so that they can start making choices in their own lives as they launch out to live a life that is walking worthy of the calling that God has given them. So we are we are out of time today. I want to remind you, like we talked about last week, the Great Commission starts at home. Your first call and the biggest, biggest kingdom impact that you can make is right there within the walls of your home. So take your job seriously. Look for these signs of growth in your children. Look for, for opportunities to infuse the gospel, to infuse discussion of how God is working in your life into your conversations with your kids. Do everything that you can to strengthen those relationships. Get involved, have fun, all of those things. Every conversation that we have is not a spiritual conversation, but all of the engagement that we have with our kids is strengthening that bond that actually strengthens those spiritual conversations when they come along because we are deepening those relationships. So I hope that this has been an encouragement and a challenge to you. Remember, if you have boys, I want to loop you back. Check into Trail Life. If there isn't a a troop near you, go to their website. Find out how you can start one. This is a fantastic ministry to dads and boys alike. And and a lot of uh, families are being transformed by that work. So go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash trail life and you can get more information about them. Again, we'll link that in the show notes below. I'll also link how to get the Teach Them Diligently parenting book. The subtitle is Raising Children of Promise. And we really look at what God's word says about parenting. And I hope that your heart will be encouraged by that as well. So I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. I would love to see you in a couple of weeks in Pigeon Forge. If you haven't gotten your ticket yet, be sure you do. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. 